Hello, everyone. Welcome to our listeners in the Big Apple from across the U.S., U.S. and around the world. How could I get the name of my own country wrong in the beginning? Anyway, I'm Jeff Goodman, and this is Rediscovering New York. I'm a real estate broker with Halstead, but Rediscovering New York is not a program about real estate. It's a show about the texture and vibe of this amazing city. On most programs, but not today, Rediscovering New York focuses on neighborhoods, exploring their history and also their current energy. What makes a particular New York neighborhood special? And we do it through interviews with urban historians, preservationists, local business owners, nonprofit organizations, artists, and other neighborhood personalities. Uh, sometimes, like tonight, we host a show about an interesting part or theme of the city that is not focused on one particular neighborhood. We'll talk about that in a second. If you've listened to past shows, you'll know that we've talked about the history of U.S. presidents who came or lived in New York. Those are available on archive, on podcast. We talked about the history of the women's suffrage movement in Brooklyn, history of Irish immigrants who came to New York, and we had several special episodes during Stonewall 50. And we've also explored the history of bicycles and cycling. In the future, we'll journey to some of the city's parks or the subway with the age of a particular social or political movement or musical genre. I really am working on that show about punk, believe you me, or some unique architecture. Uh, New York architectural phenomena. Two weeks ago, we hosted a show on the Woolworth Building and the Art of Rockefeller Center. Today is one of those special shows. We will explore interesting and what some New Yorkers would say is a fascinating topic. Uh, New York has great museums, but tonight we're going to focus on small museums and unusual museums and museums that most New Yorkers have never even heard of. After the broadcast, each show is available on podcast. You can listen to us on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and other services, some of which I don't even know about, but are making their rounds across the, uh, the RSS feeds. And um, you can, we have, I think, 32 episodes now that you can, you can listen to, building up a nice archive. Our first guest is a returning guest to Rediscovering New York. It's Michelle Young. Michelle is the founder of Untapped Cities. It's a web magazine about urban discovery and exploration. And uh, uh, full disclosure, I'm actually an insider of Untapped Cities. Uh, Michelle is a graduate of Harvard in the history of art and architecture and holds a master's degree in urban planning from Columbia Graduate School of Architecture, Planning, and Preservation. She's an adjunct professor of architecture. Michelle is also the publisher of New York Hidden Bars and Restaurants. It's published by Jonglet Publishing and Broadway, published by Arcadia. She lives in Crown Heights in Brooklyn. And uh, I had the pleasure of meeting Michelle and her husband, Augustin, and business partner at an Untapped Cities event at the New York Public Library when they published the first edition of their book, but we'll uh, get to talk about that in a bit. It's my pleasure to welcome Michelle Young back to Rediscovering New York. A hearty welcome, Michelle. Thanks, Jeff. It's great to be back. Um, you didn't start out originally, well, people know now that you uh, were in uh, studied architecture. Um, are you from New York originally? Long Island. Long Island. Okay, well, that's New York. <laughs> yes. Um, and you live in Crown Heights now. Yep. How did you make the transition from studying uh, art and architecture to running a business that really connects people with the wonder of New York and with its history and with all the, the amazing things that we have here? Yeah, I mean, it was a bit of a circuitous route, actually, because after college, I went to work in the fashion industry. So I was a merchandiser and buyer for Abercrombie and Fitch, Calvin Klein, J. Crew, and then after those four to five years, I decided to go back and study urban planning again. 
So, um, and then while I was doing my master's at Columbia in urban planning in the architecture department, I started Untapped Cities, which we called Untapped New York at the time. Oh. What had you decided to make the change to uh, from Untapped New York to um, Untapped Cities? Actually, in October, we're going back to Untapped New York. But for many uh. years, many people around the world were emailing me saying they wanted to start their own chapter of Untapped. So we had done that for many years, and then we brought it back in to New York about four or five years ago. And so now we're just reinforcing the name again oh. this fall. And yeah. actually with untapped cities, you could franchise to different... Uh, yeah, yeah, so the, the mother brand will, will still be around. Huh. Well, obviously, this is not just a business for you, but a passion. If you're not on, on Michelle's mailing list, uh, go to untappedcities.com. Uh, it's one of the emails, the irregular emails that I look forward to and open <laughs> oh, all the time because it's just such great stuff. Um, when did you start Untapped Cities? 2009. That so was it, it was Untapped New York at that point. So yeah, so, so it's been 10 years. 10 years, wow. Yeah. Did you start it with Augustine or did you? No. no. Actually, I didn't meet him at that point. Okay, so you couldn't have started with him if you didn't know him. <laughs> no. <laughs> Maybe not in the here and now. Maybe but in some ethereal world. But he has been instrumental in the development of it since then. <laughs> well, and that brings us to the topic of unusual museums in the city. Um, one that you chose in your curation, and I'm going to call it your curation of, of, of the museums uh, that you're going to cover today, is the Micro Museum. What is the Micro Museum? Yeah, so this is one of my favorite things that have popped up in New York recently. They are six-foot-high uh, mobile museums that can be placed anywhere. And right now there's two that... Um, are around. One is called the Smallest Mollusk Museum. So it's chock full of information about mollusks, really basically anything you've ever wanted to know about it. And then uh, one is called the Perpetual Motion Museum. So both of them are interactive. So they have um, samples of what they're talking about. Or in the Perpetual Motion one, you can see um, an example of something moving around really fast that is faster than the speed that of your eye that can pick up. Um, so you, you learn about these topics through very interactive methods. Can you actually go to the micro museum, or do you actually does the micro museum come to you? Come to uh, um, no. So they have them out in places. There was one uh, in the Brooklyn Public Library, one Ronald McDonald House. The idea is to put them in maybe the most mundane places you can think of, but places where a lot of people pass by. Um, and the root of the idea is that uh, the distribution of museums and access to museums is just not equal. Uh, for all residents of a city or of New York City and, and other places. Especially in a city where people are busy all the time and may not feel they have the time to, to partake of, of the cultural. Uh, yeah, completely. Uh, and for example, New York, uh, Manhattan and the Bronx, probably similar population size, but far fewer museums in the Bronx. So the idea is to bring um, a different way to educate uh, residents and students and adults um, to them. And why did they decide to do it? I mean, you've, you hear about traveling exhibitions and, and people, uh, our second guest actually has brought his own exhibition, which I'm really excited about. <laughs> we'll get to that in the second half of the show. Um, how or why did they make the decision to do like a nano exhibition, to do something so small instead of have something sizable that would be big and would be a number of panels and might, it might be a number of rooms? How did they come up with the idea of doing, you know, a micro museum, of doing a micro exhibition? I really think it's about the mobility of, of it and that people can basically, you know, in a sense, order or <laughs> request one of those museums to be there. And um, they build it using 3D printed technology and other things. So there's a, also quite a, a modern uh, way of um, constructing these museums that have really attracted um, 
different organizations. Uh, so actually, I met the founders, Amanda and Charles, when we were in uh, the GSAP Incubator Museum, which, uh, sorry, not museum, the GSAP Incubator, which is part of Columbia University, uh -huh. and also tied to the New Museum's Incubator. So they were starting to build the prototypes for this uh, while we were there. And then I believe now they're working out of um, the Brooklyn, uh, not Brooklyn Army Terminal, Brooklyn Navy Yard. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I actually had, uh, I was in uh, my own business in the late 80s, early 90s, and I was an early tenant of the revitalization of the Navy Yard. Ah. That's another subject <laughs> entirely. Uh, you still had to actually go in through a gate and had to have a pass and... Uh, was kind of cool because it was largely undeveloped and still had that sort of like post-industrial feel to it. It's very different now, and there's a lot of new mm -hmm. construction going on. How did, do you have a sense of how they choose the topics for their for their micro exhibitions? I think it's very personal. Uh, knowing them, uh, they've got really fascinating backgrounds. Um, and uh, Charles, for example, collects literally everything he sees on the street. He must collect <laughs> mollusca. Because, yeah. I think so. <laughs> Mollusca being the phylum for mollusk. mollusk. <laughs> um, have you seen the mollusk exhibition? Oh yeah. Oh okay. It's cool. super fun. Uh oh, <laughs> and it's what is a typical exhibition? Is it, is it like six feet high, three feet wide? Yeah, What's but you know, it's not just like a straight up structure that goes up and down. They're like pieces that come in and out. Um, you know, it looks like almost like a modular structure. Oh okay. So yeah. it's not just they open a box. The pieces. No, that come no, no, oh, no. Oh. And it, it sits there. You know, you don't have to deconstruct or construct it. It gets delivered with everything oh, the way it is. that's ah. displayed. Yeah. Um, and what about the moving part uh, micro museum? What, yeah, I just saw that once at, at the launch party for their new office. Um, so it just explores, um, I think, different methods of motion. But the, really the fascinating thing was uh, that object that spins and um, has, a, has a light, almost like a strobe light. So it, it feels like something is moving but it's actually the movement that's created from the thing spinning around mm. like the objects are not actually moving themselves just an interesting question um i used to be on the uh, board of trustees of a museum of an art museum how do how do they get their funding is it all self-funding is it self-financed do they uh uh, do they get grants? Do they have uh, uh, fees that, that other organizations pay them to actually uh, show their You know, their I don't have the answer to the question, but you should have them on your show. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and they can actually bring a bunch of, yes, yeah. we're getting to the show and tell, they can bring a bunch of their, of their museums, of their uh, uh, exhibitions. You know, another interesting one that you, that you talked about is the Torah Animal Museum. And at first when I saw Torah, I thought, well, it, it can't be like the Bible. It has to be like Torah, Torah, Torah from, you know. But then I read a little about it, and I thought, yes, this really is about the Old Testament and about animals in the Old Testament. And it's a taxidermy museum. <laughs> yeah. So this is one of, I think, the most fascinating museums I've ever come across, uh, really anywhere. And the idea is that, um, well, it has every animal in the Torah, <laughs> Uh, and the animals are stuffed. They come from zoos, and no one, no animal was killed uh, to create this museum. But and are all the objects actually once were live animals? There's no like yes. Okay, because sometimes you see models of animals in antique stores, and I they were built by, and they were built with wood and fur. And, and I they believe they all, if not the vast majority, uh -huh. um, are formerly live animals. Wow. But. The root of it beyond the taxidermy is um, the founder is a rabbi and he grew up with dyslexia. 
And so um, he felt that this was a way to teach students the Torah without having to necessarily read, that they could uh, actually touch and feel everything. So next door is another museum uh, that has a lot of historic pieces of antiquity, also from the time of the Torah. So it also has uh, the world's smallest Torah, in fact. Uh, I've seen, I'm Jewish, I've seen small Torahs. How small is this Torah? <laughs> it is two and a half inches. It was written meticulously uh, using a magnifying glass, and you have to read it using a magnifying glass, obviously. And it comes, when it was sold, it, it came with that. And um, they read it, I believe, every evening of the Shabbat. Uh, wow. So if, it, so if it's a real kosher Torah, then it would have Correct. had to have been done by a scribe. It was. I yeah. wonder if it would be done on paper or if it's on animals in the back of I some kind of... I think it's on parchment. Parchment. Yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. And wow. I won't ask how long it took to do that under a microscope. <laughs> um, there are other... I think that the, there's one or two other things attached to this museum. The museum's in Borough Park, isn't it? It's in a house in Borough yeah, Park? Yeah, that's correct. What other things do they have there? Like oh, the, um, so there are um, helmets, uh, different things from different, uh, well, all from the time of the Torah. So uh -huh. there's lots of just different pieces of antiquity. But I remember this this helmet <laughs> from like looks like from a, a war that you can literally p take put on. Wow, wow. Well, there was war war factions back in the days yes. of uh, the Bible. Yes, many, many of them. I remember reading uh, that the, at one point they had the purported oldest stone tablet that the Ten Commandments had been uh, uh, yes. uh, chiseled on. Let's see. Um, but they sold it. Okay. Yes, and I know the museum, I mean, it's, a, it's doing a project like that is also a labor of love if you're committed to something, especially now knowing the, uh, the founder's background. I'm sure he just loved doing it. And sometimes uh, uh, when economic reality is set in, if you have something oh, that's yeah. really valuable, you have to think about yeah, the Yeah, over the, the past few years, I've been news stories about him potentially having to close it. Um, there used to be uh, another outpost in the Catskills. Um, but it seems to be doing, doing fine now. So hopefully, oh, it'll, hopefully it'll stick around. That's one place I'm going to have to visit that I uh, not only uh, have never seen but didn't know it existed until yeah. you told me about it. Uh, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Michelle Young of Untapped City, soon to be Untapped New York. Uh, we'll be back in a moment. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you stuck in a rut? Negative thoughts, feelings, and conversations got you down? Hi, I'm Noreen Sumter, the Potentiator. Tune in every Tuesday at 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time and listen for new ideas on my show, Beyond Potential, Live Life Your Way, on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. 
Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. We're back, and you're back to Rediscovering New York, and my first guest on this special episode is about unusual museums in New York. My guest is Michelle Young. She's the founder of Untapped City, soon to be Untapped New York. Um, Michelle, talk about your, one, one thing, sorry, the um, Untapped Cities is not just a tour company. They make available such fascinating things about New York with a whole series of programming with tours and even in the area of publishing um, and creating great experiences for people who love to discover things about the city. Um, tell some of our listeners, well actually tell all of our listeners <laughs> about uh, some of your upcoming tours that you have coming up. Yeah, so we have two different types of tour programming. One are our public tours, which can be the secrets of famous places or things as specific as the remnants of the original Penn Station that are still in the station and are being crazily revealed right now because construction is happening. When um, is that tour? Uh, that next tour is in September, so um, please come on it. There's so many new things to see and to save. <laughs> what's what's the date? Do you know what the date is going to um, be? Later? I'd have to look that up. Okay, I'll, I'll get it. It's yeah. probably in my inbox. Okay. <laughs> um, and then we have our Insiders Program, of which Jeff is a member. So... That is for 10 to $25 a month. Um, you have access to 20 to 30 free events. So some of the fun ones we have coming up there are um, a tour into a veterans museum, which we're going to talk about, a hidden veterans museum, and an abandoned shooting gallery. Um, below a the real shooting gallery, a not, real the, not shooting the modern gallery. Museum, yeah, gallery. Uh, below an armory. Um, we're touring the construction of Fresh Kills Park very soon, um, which is going to be New York City's largest park built in 100 years. And we're going into the permanent collections of the New York Historical Society um, and taking a tour of the new Hunters Point South Park with the architects. Oh, wow. So that's just a sampling. It sounds great. How can people find out about the tours? They can go to untappedcities.com slash tours or untappedcities.com slash insiders for the member events. Let's uh, talk for a minute about the amazing book that you and Augustine published. It's called Secret Brooklyn, and you actually have a second edition of it right now, and a copy yeah. is being flashed right before me. <laughs> um, and also, full disclosure, I uh, bought a number of copies and give them to my clients who ultimately buy in Brooklyn, because I do some of my business in Brooklyn. Um, what had you and Augustine decide to publish the second edition? Um, I guess the first uh, edition sold out, so that's exciting. Oh, great. <laughs> So we were asked to write a new edition, and there's always uh, more things to be added in a, in a guidebook like this. And it's, I'm from Brooklyn originally, so I love reading things about Brooklyn, but you know, Secret Brooklyn is even, is even better. It's funny, because some of the things I came across, I saw growing up. You know, like oh, uh, yeah. I went to uh, day camp in Rockaway Beach, and we would pass by Floyd Bennett Field mm -hmm. when uh, New York State Air National Guard still had like these old propeller planes like on the, on the tarmac right next to the... To the, um, and it's uh, amazing. The There's still abandoned hangars there, things that are still in operation. So, um, I was just drove by it the other day. Hmm. And uh, I actually went on a Boy Scout hike there once. Uh, uh, we went there on a field trip and ended up camping. We pitched our tents in one of the old hangars. This was in, the, cool. in the early 70s. Yeah, it was. It was. <laughs> it was. Um, getting back to some of the more interesting museums that most of our listeners have not heard of, 
What is the, I don't know how to pronounce this. It's the M <laughs> Museum? What is that yeah. exactly? Um, so it is a tiny museum, another tiny museum, um, that is in a freight elevator uh, along Cortland Alley in Chinatown. Um, and it curates uh, really objects that say something about our society at, at any given time. Um, so Does the elevator move or is it stationary? No, okay, it's, it's just stationary, but it's really like, Filled to the brim with really interesting stuff. <laughs> so, just to give you an example of some of the things that have been shown there, um, plastic from the Pacific Ocean that was probably in their first exhibition in 2012, and now we're really talking about, you know, the plastic that's floating in the ocean and what to do with it. Well, it wouldn't be hard to fill a freight elevator with yeah. the plastic floating in the Pacific. Um, uh. ISIS currency that's been there a few times. ISIS currency. Yeah. Um, toothpaste from around the world. Uh, there was backpacks with Disney characters on it, but that were designed to stop bullets. So things that are, you know, that speak to something happening, hmm. but uh, the objects themselves are, are quite surprising. Um, there was fake vomit, super weird, <laughs> on display. <laughs> the fake vomit museum. <laughs> I love it already. <laughs> but, um, do you know what they're uh, exhibiting right now? Do they have something? Um, I believe some ISIS currencies in there now. Uh, ah. If you go to their website, you can see samplings of what, what they have on display. And that's in Cortland Alley? That's in Cortland Alley. And right down the street in the same alley is um, something they're calling the Museum Rest Stop. So it's almost like a small vending machine uh, in which you can buy pieces of curiosity, but also... Pieces of fake vomit. <laughs> <laughs> or other things that, uh, you know, like pencils and postcards. Um, that you uh, can buy to support the museum itself. Well, you know, I, I'm an avid uh, lover of things New York, and uh, I'm learning so much today from, from you taking us to, to some of these unusual museums. One thing I did know that existed, but I didn't know much about it, was the Veterans Museum in the Park Slope Armory. Yeah. This um, place I really love, uh, also because the man who started it, Tom Miskell, is really, I think, a New York City treasure. He is a veteran of the Vietnam War himself. He lives in Park Slope. And he really started this veterans museum as a, a labor of love, like many New Yorkers do. And um, it's grown to be several rooms inside the Park Slope Armory, organized by um, the different wars that America has been in. Uh, and if you know anything about the Park Slope Armory, the history, it's where the, the red-legged devils uh, were based that fought in the Civil War. Um, so it, the building wow. itself has a Civil War history, and then um, you can make an appointment to go see this museum and see all the things he's collected over the years. And you have to do it by appointment. Yes. And we're doing a tour soon for our insiders in September. Oh, great. Yeah. I'll have to check my inbox. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've been busy lately with a lot of things, including some of my own uh, programming, but, m but mine doesn't come close. It can't, it can't hold a candle to yours, Michelle. Um, there's a shooting gallery. In the basement? Yes. So Is it still in use? Is still No, it, it's not in use, but um, it's fascinating. So it's under the section that's now um, the women's shelter. So you kind of go across a barrier and, and head down the stairs, and Tom takes us there as well. And um, it's where there used to be a long-range and short-range uh, shooting range. Um, and you can still see bullet holes in the metal uh, at the end of the shooting gallery. Um, you can see the, the, the waiting room that was there before you could enter. So that's got wood benches and tin ceilings and tin walls. 
um, fascinating place. And they've shot a few films there. Apparently, Goodfellas was partly shot down oh, there. Cool, cool. Um, what's the robotic church? Yes. This is in Red Hook. Oh, Brooklyn, too, yes. Yeah, in, uh, in a former church. Um, and they're an artist um, who does a lot of work in robotics and inflatables, um, has what he calls a robotic church. So it's really a workshop but also performance space. And um, the robotic portion itself is really a performance. So there's a booth um, in which the artist can actually set these robots in motion. And um, they, they move and they climb. Um, and you can go and take in a performance. Wow. Yeah. Um, it takes about an hour. And it's supposed to be about uh, the story of the evolution of the robots. Uh, but in, any, in many ways, it also speaks to the evolution of mankind. Wow. And it's called uh, Robotic Church because it's in the, on location of the old Norwegian Siemens Church. Correct. Which now, in case anyone is interested, is on 52nd Street uh, in Manhattan. I've actually been there. They have a great uh, uh, little art gallery in the basement. And coffee shop. Yes, yes. Yeah. And uh, uh, talking about coffee shops in Scandinavian Siemens churches, there's another good one on 48th Street. The, uh, the uh, Swedish. Swedish, yes, which is in the former home of the Bible Society. Uh, and uh, there's one Scandinavian Siemens church that's left in Brooklyn, the Danish. Ah. It's on Willow Street. Cool. Uh, all right. Well, one thing that approaches museum quality, or at least the fascination with museums, but people tend not to think of that, is lighthouses. Mm -hmm. uh, New York City is almost a lighthouse museum. We've got, what, like 17 or 18 lighthouses? Uh, yeah, we just did an article about it on Untapped, and we have 17 on that list. I'm sure we've, we may have, there may be more. Now, before I ask you ab about some of them, can, uh, some of your favorites and some of the more unusual ones, mm -hmm. um, there are a few that you can still get access to. Yes. Uh, so on Manhattan, one is the Little Red Lighthouse, so made famous by the children's book uh, that helped save the Little Red Lighthouse under the George Washington Bridge. It itself was moved uh, here from another location. Uh, but that where was, is where open was it moved up, from? I think maybe Sandy Hook or somewhere in New oh, Jersey. Okay. Um, and you can visit that on select days through the New York Parks, uh, New York City Parks Service. And then we've done some insider trips there. I remember I actually uh, reserved the spot but didn't show up. I had ah. a, you know, my day job, uh, something came up and I had to attend to. Because well, some there's of an amazing metal key that they, that they show that opens the, um, the lighthouse. Oh. Now, one nice thing about your events, too, is that they're not always on weekends and in the evening. So if people have work schedules that are a little unconventional, they can take advantage of your, of you, of your yeah. programming, which is really yeah, nice. Yeah, definitely. The, um, especially for the members, because we know they're all New York City residents, so we, we do them at all different times. What are some of the other of your favorite lighthouses? I mean, maybe you'll say they're all your favorites, but no, you know. No. Um, so I, I do really love uh, one called Execution Rocks. It's technically in Long Island, but it's really, um, you know, part of the, the greater upper New York uh, waterways. Um, so to get there, you leave from um, not Great Neck, maybe Manhasset, uh, from a boat there. And um, it's privately owned. It was um, it was an auction, and the, wow. the owner got it for a dollar. <laughs> and he uh, takes visits there to, to fundraise for the restoration of the lighthouse. So it's not quite a museum, but, you know, you, you get to learn about the history of this place, the, why it's called Execution Rocks. The rumor is that um, that soldiers were um, tied 
to the rocks and uh, to be drowned. <laughs> Which soldiers? Uh, right. I think they were the British soldiers, or British soldiers did it to American soldiers. Oh. I have to <laughs> check on that history. Well, it wouldn't surprise me. The American uh, uh, prisoners of war were treated very badly in the in the Revolution. <laughs> um, What's the oldest lighthouse? Oh, by the way, just to tell our listeners, New York, especially those who may not be from New York, New York is a very old uh, port. It's been uh, it's been the scene of European shipping since the early 1600s, and uh, uh, there are lighthouses that were built all around to help navigate ships, uh, including some to the entrance of New York Harbor. In fact, one I was going to ask you about was the Romer Shoal Lighthouse. Mm-hmm. I just passed that. I was on a whale watching trip just a couple of days ago. And um, that one's nice. It's got stripes on it, and so it's it's very beautiful. And it's not too far from the West Bank Lighthouse, which we got to get really close to. That's also privately owned. And there's also a lighthouse that was never a functioning lighthouse right in the middle of the city. You're talking about in Staten Island? No, no? the Titanic. Oh, <laughs> yes, yes, the one down at South Street Seaport. Yes. Yep. And one of my favorites is actually on top of a former uh, book publishing house in the Bronx, and it was added there. So it was never a functioning lighthouse. It was just an icon of, of the company, and you can still see it. There is a lighthouse that I, and I didn't even know about this, and I grew up like in the neighborhood next door to Coney Island. There's a lighthouse in Coney Island. Yes, it's in the neighborhood of Seagate. It's in Seagate, okay. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of hard to get into since that's a private community, but you can see it from the water if you're on a boat ride. And it's got a, a little keeper's house, which is really cute. Oh, cool. Well, I'll have to go uh, and check it out sometime. Uh, is it open to the public on occasion? I haven't heard of any openings, but uh, who knows? Well, one last note about interesting museums. Um, Most of our listeners probably have not heard of and know that there is not only a lighthouse museum in New York, the National Lighthouse Museum is in Staten Island. Uh, Funnily enough, it's not built on the side of a lighthouse. You'd think that with all these lighthouses around, the National Lighthouse Museum would have been built on the side of a lighthouse. But it's on the site of the old United States Lighthouse Services General Depot. Uh, they tested lighting, they distributed lighting materials for lighthouses across the United States, and that opened not too long ago. And mm-hmm. uh, I believe it's walkable from the ferry in uh, It in is, St. and they do some great boat tours where you can see the lighthouses of, like, the Ambrose Channel, uh, New York Harbor. Um, and Staten Island itself has some amazing lighthouses that are landlocked, which is kind of fascinating. They're just very high up, and they shine down into the Ambrose Channel. Wow. So, yeah. Well, it's another museum I'm going to have to check out that I haven't seen. <laughs> Uh, our first guest has been Michelle Young of Untapped Cities. Michelle, thank you so much for thank coming you. back to Rediscovering New York. Michelle's tours and other programming can be found at untappedcities.com. Uh, and Michelle, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. We'll be back with our second guest, uh, which is going to be just as fascinating as the, our conversation with Michelle about uh, Unusual Museums. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you stuck in a rut? Negative thoughts, feelings, and conversations got you down? Hi, I'm Noreen Sumter, the Potentiator. 
Tune in every Tuesday at 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time and listen for new ideas on my show, Beyond Potential, Live Life Your Way, on talkradio.nyc. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. We're back. Support for Rediscovering New York comes from our wonderful sponsors, the Mark Myman team, mortgage strategist at Freedom Mortgage. For assistance in any kind of residential mortgage, Mark and his team can be reached at 646-330-4735. And support also comes from the law offices of Thomas Siaka, specializing in trusts, estate planning, and probate administration. Tom and his staff can be reached at 212 495 0317. Our show is about New York, especially its neighborhoods and the myriad textures of our amazing city. Even though I work in real estate, one thing our show is not about is the business of real estate. But there is a good one. It's called Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco, my friend and colleague at Halstead. Vince's show airs live on Tuesday mornings at 9 a.m. and can be heard at voiceamerica.com and also on podcast. You can like my show, uh, on Facebook, Rediscovering New York with Jeff Goodman. And also follow me on Instagram. My Instagram and Twitter handles are both Jeff Goodman NYC. If you have comments or questions, or if you'd like to get on our mailing list, please email me, Jeff at rediscoveringnewyork.nyc. And one other note before we get to our second and very special guest, even though this is not a show about real estate in New York, when I'm not hosting this show, I am indeed a real estate agent. I help my clients buy, sell, lease, and rent property. If you'd like to see how I can help you or anyone you know with your real estate needs, you can reach me at my team at 646-306-4761. Well, we have a very special guest and with a very special display here, although you can't see it on the radio, but you'll hear it soon enough. Uh, my second guest is Denny Daniel. He's the curator and founder of the Museum of Interesting Things, which most people have not heard of. In fact, I didn't know of until Denny and I were introduced by a mutual friend about six weeks ago. Denny brings his traveling interactive demonstration exhibition of antiques and inventions to schools, libraries, and events, inspiring innovation and creativity for all who see them. He's appeared on the History Channel, the Science Channel, New York One News, PBS, Channel 11, and over 20 publications, including the Smithsonian and the New York Times and Time Out. Denny has presented and spoke at four TEDx talks. He's an NYU grad, often lectures there, and also at Columbia University. The Museum of Interesting Things is a traveling interactive exhibition of antiques and inventions that goes to schools, library, and events, and inspires kids and adults to be curious. Its tagline is demonstrating the evolution of the idea and beyond, which we'll talk about. One thing they also bring back is the idea of tinkering. I'm really keen to talk to Denny about that. Uh, Denny likes to say that tinkering shows kids and adults that their iPods did not pop out of thin air. Denny likes to build his major activity like being a traveling circus, but without the elephants. Too bad. I was hoping that we'd also have a baby elephant come into the studio. It's my pleasure to welcome Denny Daniel to Rediscovering New York. Hey there. Are you originally from New York, Denny? Yep. Born and raised. Last oh. of a dying species. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, a number of us in this room. Where in New York are you from? 
Forest Hills. Forest Hills. Oh, great, great. We did a show on Forest Hills a couple of months back. Did you? Yeah. Home of the Ramones. Home of the Ramones, yes. All four of them, indeed. We even talked about that. We talked about that. Um, How did you get started on this amazing journey to to, uh, found, to host, and to evangelize what you do with the Museum of Interesting Things? Uh, A series of accidents, and I finally found a nice, concise way of of putting it together. I like to say that every uh, entrepreneur, everyone who starts a new business or something, has two impetuses, two things that get them to start it. One is a passion for something, and the other is bad bosses. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I can relate to that. Not presently, of course. This is in my uh, previous career in, uh, uh, in media with some bosses. Not all. I had two bosses there. I call it my Shawshank redemption. <laughs> you find something interesting and you, you make it happen. When did you actually start collecting things? So I've been collecting my whole life. Uh, as a little kid, collected all sorts of things from comic books, Spider-Man comic books, to you know, batteries and the roll from the toilet paper. And then I would, you know, the, the thing, and I'd make cities in my basement. Of the cardboard? Of the, of the cardboard, wow, and wow. the batteries would go through them, and there'd be these very complicated cities with all my toys and all the stuff in it. And then when I was about 13, the family moved from Forest Hills to Jamaica Estates, and I was terribly depressed, loving Forest Hills. Uh, but then I kind of got used to it and liked it. But Jamaica uh, Estates is where the present president grew up, so it couldn't have been. I know. Thing. I used to shovel his snow. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I never met him, but I met his mother, and she didn't say you're fired, and she uh. gave me a tip. <laughs> so that was not so bad. Uh, well, but it's too I never bad it didn't him. rub off on the family, but we won't <laughs> go there at the moment. But uh, yeah. and the Cuomos lived there also. I used to I used to learn how to drive around Mario Cuomo's house. Mm. <laughs> Um, but at one time there was a flea market or a garage sale in the neighborhood, and so and I said, "Wow, what do the people here sell in a garage sale?" And somebody had an old Victrola, lunchbox Victrola, and I was about thirteen, and I bought it. Uh, but I, I loved it so much. I said to him, "How much?" And he was he gave me the whole life story of it, and I was like, "Oh God, every second of this life story doubles the value." And when he was done, he saw how much I adored it, and he said, "I can tell you're going to love it." And he said, I'm going to sell it to you for a dollar. Wow. And I got that baby for a dollar. And then he had a second one there. And played 78s, presumably. And played 16s. Six, wow. 33 and a third, 45s and 78s. Mm-hmm. How wow. rare is that? Six, wow. And then I bought the second one. That's but he 16 said, RPM, everybody, for those not old enough to remember. Frightening. And uh, the second one, he said he had to make up for the $1 one. So he sold that one for double the price. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Mm. Well, uh, we're going to talk about some of the pieces that you've brought from your collection a bit, but I have a couple things I want to ask you. You're, you're mostly a traveling museum. Right now, you do have a physical space where people can visit by appointment, but your access is not like a conventional museum with, with ours right now. Right. Mm. It started in my apartment when people threw parties in my apartment, birthday parties, and my friends had cool friends, uh, people like writers for Mad Magazine and The Onion. And those are mm. my guinea pigs for two years. And then I tried my elementary school in Queens, which was Solomon Schechter. And I told newspapers, I'm going to do something cool where kids will learn about history by touching the actual items. And they said, we won't show up. Uh, And they ended up giving me front page page articles. So Mm -hmm. that was 12 years ago. So it's fair to say that the mission of the museum is not just collecting and showing interesting things, but, but having your audiences, especially students at schools, see how thought and creativity can lead to not only innovations and new inventions, but also people 
going to new horizons and seeing new possibilities that they didn't see. Right. The idea behind it is really to inspire people, to get them to be curious again. That world that we all grew up with that we kind of think is missing isn't really missing. It's all there. Every human I meet is on the same page as we are going, what happened? Nothing happened. We're all still here. We didn't evolve into ridiculousness that quick. So these things seem to bring that back. It somehow makes people happy, makes them smile, makes them curious, makes them tinker, and demystifies. Mm. Well, speaking of, of, of tinker, the word tinker, <laughs> um, which originally meant, meant a tinsmith, didn't it, once upon a time? Uh, I, yeah, that sounds tinker. about right. Okay, oh. okay. Um, <laughs> never uh, I, we're going to have to research that. I'm intrigued <laughs> about your in. commitment to the art of tinkering. <laughs> Tell us about that. What, you know, how, how, does, how did that uh, play a role in having the museum and your and your programming take the take the place that it has today. So they've they've made invention into something so mysterious that only a rocket scientist or a Columbia University PhD or a NASA engineer can do it. And everyone goes, oh yeah, green energy. Somebody else will do it. But the truth is, what made this country beautiful was the fact that we did it. We problem solved. What is a an inventor? He's just a person who solves a problem, and that's what I'm kind of trying to bring back. You take, as you say, your, uh, your show on the road, except without the elephants. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you take it to libraries, schools, and other events. How do, it's obvious to me, and I'm not an educator, but it's not just that people will go ooh and ah over the things, some of which we're going to talk about shortly, we're going to hear, hear shortly, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, that you play such a, uh, an important role in, in how young people might develop their thinking about inventing and doing cool things that they didn't think about. Um, how do people in these institutions find out about you and your work? How do they? Good work? question. I, I can't even find myself. Uh, it seems like, you know, people find me on the web. They go to the website or they just hear about it. It's very much a lot of word of mouth, uh, wonderful people like you that'll do a radio show or, you know, uh, other programs like Untapped Cities. She's such a sweetheart. She came to my speakeasy. Uh, she liked it so much. And we're going to talk about your speakeasies uh, at the beginning of the second half to give people a chance to, to attend some of your events. Um, right before we, we discuss some pieces from the collection, I want to ask you a question about uh, how you acquire things. Obviously, you have an, in, an incredible interest in, in collecting and acquiring things. But now that you uh, have a museum and you have more and more pieces, uh, how do you learn that there are some pieces that are available? I mean, art museums, they keep abreast of the art world and which collections may be coming up for sale and they hear th through the grapevine. What are some of the different ways that you have heard about some of the pieces that you ended up collecting? In the museum? Almost every permutation. So, you know, obviously nowadays the Internet is wonderful and you find things randomly. But I have people that will show up at a show and say to me, oh, have you heard of this? Do you have the first IBM? Have you heard of a rotary telephone that was a cell attache case cell phone? People will come in almost every show or every other show and donate something from their grandparents, their parents. And, that, and then I'll research and find out more about it. Wow. Okay, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we are going to be hearing and talking about the thing that I've been waiting for, and I know a lot of our listeners, that we're actually going to be talking about some of the amazing objects that you brought with you to the studio. We'll be back in a minute. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. I'm 
the aptly named host of Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio, big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. Fundraising, board relations, social media, my guests and I cover everything that small and mid-sized shops struggle with. If you have big dreams and a small budget, you have a home at Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Fridays, 1 to 2 Eastern at TalkingAlternative.com. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. TalkingAlternative.com We're back to Rediscovering New York, and our second guest, Denny Daniel, the founder and chief curator of the Museum of Interesting Things. This program has been specializing, we are specializing in focusing on museums that most people in New York haven't heard of, and I haven't heard of most of them before the show, before the show or the research for the show. Um, how could people find out more about your collection and, and, and your programming, Denny? So, of course, the best way is the uh, website. Uh, museumofinterestingthings.com and .org. And then I, I realized some people have a hard time writing that. Like I went to a handicapped place and I felt so bad for the guy trying to type that in. So I also got museumthings.org <laughs> just oh. in case so you don't have to type that fast. Also, um, the Facebook page and the, um, and the Instagram page are very alive. So I'll put things down there also. Oh, great. And one thing I'm, I'm dying to hear about are your speakeasies. What are your speakeasies? So uh, about four or five years ago, I, I realized that, you know, there's thousands of items in the museum. And I was like, oh, my God, you know, I, I've got to somehow pay for these. I was getting in debt. And we decided to do one benefit in a loft in Soho that my family uh, does events in. And they let me do one event a month as a benefit for the museum. Uh, and I called it the Secret Speakeasy. We did it in a September. So this September will be anniversary. And I did a prohibition theme. So we had a sealed bottle of actual prohibition liquor with the liquor still in it. We had all the prescriptions. We had all the stuff from that era. And it was and an original whiskey still from 1922. So um, I showed... A bootleg whiskey still, obviously. Clearly. <laughs> from, the, from the hills of Tennessee. And um, so I show 16 millimeter films there. Uh, original 16s from like, you know, things like Billie Holiday and Louis Armstrong and old circus footage from the 30s and 40s, and sometimes we try to do also the theme. And then um, I have the antiques there, so every month is a different theme. Uh, so we'll have a suffragette theme, or we'll have a space race theme, or a New York theme. Uh, next month is New York theme. And then and I what's have... what's the date of it? What of the so the next one is going to be Labor Day weekend on Sunday, and it's usually like the last Sunday or the second to the last Sunday of the month, whenever the space is available. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and then I have the antiques out for the theme, and people get to actually handle them, and I d demonstrate them. And I DJ old vinyl records. Oh. So it's all those components, the 16-millimeter films, antiques, vinyl records, and antiques. Well, speaking of oh, antiques and uh, records and things to listen to, we're now going to go to some of these interesting and unusual <laughs> things that you brought, and some of them actually you can listen to. What, what's the first thing you'd like to, to share with us that also has some sound? So, so as, a, as a radio DJ, I DJed on like seven radio stations. Uh, I, I figured that some people may want to, to call in or text the radio station, so can you guys guess what this is? Well, the sound is obvious to me, but I'm also looking at it. That's a rotary <laughs> dial phone. <laughs> yep, that's the rotary phone, which, mind you, I won concert tickets to U2 and The Cure and Joan Jett when I was a kid using a rotary telephone. I was that quick. Right. Yes, <laughs> in the old days, you had to be like the first two, five callers on the radio. And yeah, you know. I was very good at that. Yeah. Now, otherwise, if you were in the time of maybe uh, Abraham Lincoln and you wanted to win tickets to U2... <laughs> using your text message, you would use this. Well, I know what that is. Can anyone <laughs> guess? Yes, it's a telegraph. telegraph. The old telegraph key, yep. And, you and the old telegraph the keys code. didn't buzz. That was something later on. It would just click with the electric right. current. Right. You basically were turning a light on and off. Uh -huh. You were going, bzz, 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 and then some guy with headphones was hearing that and going, Denny's trying to talk to me. You know, they didn't... Um, Electricity didn't become used even by rich people until I think the 1880s or maybe the late 1870s. Much later, yeah. How how did they generate electricity for telegraphs? It's very it, interesting. It, electricity. Um, it's very yeah. interesting. They they did you know they were generating it, but what's what's really interesting was that you're staring at a piece of the cable that did the telegraph from America to England. This is a piece of the transatlantic cable around my neck. Wow. So that cable went from America to England. They had two boats that f sailed, one from England, one from America. They met in the center of the Atlantic Ocean and put this little cable together, which is about half an inch. But the cable itself was maybe an eighth of an inch. The little dot in the center is the actual cable. Then there's rubber around it that's um, maybe uh, three eighth of an or something like that, three millimeters. And then there's a layer of steel. Hmm. Well, something that I'm really looking forward to hearing uh, is I see something that looks like uh, a dictation machine, and it's got a cone attached to it. <laughs> uh, we're going to turn that on. So Edison, around 1877, invented something called the Edison Cylinder Record Player. These are original. So this is an original cylinder record player from the 1890s. It's a portable version, so this one I can actually put in the palm of my hand and carry it around for you guys to get a visual of this. So I would wind it up a little bit. Wow, we're looking at a, um, a contraption that has probably 
four or five gears in it and rods and uh, the cylinder just uh, the reading device went through half the cylinder in the short minute and a half that we that we heard that right um, those were original wax cylinders beeswax and a couple of other ingredients to make it a little more sturdy and the later ones were made out of celluloid that's an original wax one and they were only two minutes long and wow. the later records were four minutes so if your song was Hey Jude, you were done at the chorus. <laughs> um, one little question I have is, I wonder if the original uh, master recordings of those, any of those exist anymore, not just the, the ones that would have been sold to the public. Some exist. Um, they, they had them, I think it was like a metal master or something. Um, but some of them I, I know do exist. I have some friends who have those. They're very hard to find. Um, the way they made these, this machine and all record players then could record. So that woman, Ada Jones, who I'm her biggest fan, I've got 30 or 40 of her records. Wow. Uh, yeah. That song's from around 1902. I'm hoping she tours. Um, but she would be in this room with the whole orchestra singing into an Edison horn. Wow, wow. And by the way, another interesting museum uh, uh, in West Orange uh, is, the fa is a very small part of the factory of Thomas Edison, who invented so much, who developed. He actually not only invented, he perfected. He didn't come up with the original plans, but a lot of the stuff, like the light bulb wasn't his invention, just the practical use of the light bulb. I, and I Same always tell people, recording. you know, people always have mm -hmm. these discussions about this, and I always say to people, the truth is, no inventor really just invents something in its entirety, from Steve Jobs to, to, uh, to Bill Gates to Edison to all, all inventions are always a bunch of people working together and a, uh, a, a you know, a list of things. You know, I call it the missing link factor, all the links in the chain until you get to it. You have some old device with a, with a, with a rubber thing on the end of it. Why don't you... Uh... <laughs> well, that's a horn, obviously. Can anyone uh, of our listeners think for a second and see if they've heard that particular tone of horn anywhere? On the streets of New York? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe in an old motion picture or a series of old motion pictures? Who did that... <laughs> Who did that horn belong to, Danny? And I, I have to do it in the two, just like <clears throat> Harpo Marx would have done. Uh. And he's right now in his rolling in his grave, enjoying himself. And that was a that was a horn that Harpo actually used in some of the Marx Brothers films. Well, that's not the one he touched. Okay, I thought it was, okay, okay. But I would wish that that would be the one he touched. That's probably somewhere in the Smithsonian. But I, I, those are one of my favorite ones. And then, of course, if you watch the Adams Family, you would have heard this one, the later model. <laughs> Right. The original Claxton. What is that? What is a Claxton? A Claxton is basically a, a car horn, the Ford Model T car oh, horn from okay. the early 1900s. Uh, that uh, Auga horn you always hear about. Wow. Can, no I, touch, can, I, can I give it a shot? Like, you know, when my car... <laughs> wow, cool. When my car lost its horn, I used this on the streets of New York for a good week or two. <laughs> Let me tell you, cars got out of the way. <laughs> I'll bet. With a, with a what are some of the other things that you have here? We have about a minute left. What... Uh, so I brought a little um, a Snoopy walking dog, uh -huh. which probably everyone uh, listening to this probably walked through their neighborhoods with that little Snoopy walking dog. And of course, uh, if you're going to have a show like this, uh, my last two items that make noise would be a school bell. And this is from the, I think it's the Francis school bell or something, the... the it's an old TV show from the 50s. And then I'll end with uh, the noise of something everyone always loves. 
The little monkey and tambourines. A monkey with cymbals. Cymbals, not tambourines. You've got to have a monkey with cymbals if you're going to have noise. I've got a whole collection of them. One day I want to have like a tent full of them and have them all go off at once when you walk in the tent. That'll probably probably cause all sorts of fun. Wow. (laughs) Well, Denny, thank you so much. Uh, Our guest uh, for the second half of the show about uh, very interesting and unusual museums has been Denny Daniel of the Museum of Interesting Things. Uh, Denny's website is museumofinterestingthings.org. And he runs great programs for schools and libraries. Right, if you're a school, a library, a teacher, any, you know, parent. If you have comments or questions about the show, or if you'd like to get on my mailing list, please email me, jeff at rediscoveringnewyork.nyc. You can like us on Facebook and follow me on Instagram. Once again, I'd like to thank our sponsors, the Mark Myman team at Freedom Mortgage and the law offices of Thomas Siaka. And don't forget, when I'm not hosting the show, I am a real estate agent at Halstead. And whether you're selling, buying, leasing, or renting, my team and I provide our clients with the best service and expertise in New York City real estate. You can reach me at 646-306-4761. Our producer is Ralph Storier. Our engineer is Sam Leibowitz. Our special consultant is David Griffin of Landmark Branding. Stay tuned at 8 p.m. right here on talkradio.nyc for Beyond Potential, Live Life Your Way with Noreen Sumter. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. You are listening to the Talking Alternative Network. listening to the talking alternative network are you stuck in a rut negative thoughts feelings and conversations got you down hi i'm noreen sumter the potentiator tune in every tuesday at 9 to 10 p.m eastern time and listen for new ideas on my show beyond potential live life your way on talkradio.nyc I'm the aptly named host of Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio, big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. Fundraising, board relations, social media, my guests and I cover everything that small and mid-sized shops struggle with. If you have big dreams and a small budget, you have a home at Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Fridays, 1 to 2 Eastern at TalkingAlternative.com. Hey, all you crazy listeners, looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at talkingalternative.com. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative.
you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network.